All right. Here we go. Quiet. Quiet. Welcome to the Big Picture Podcast. We're back again to take a look at the latest movie news, the films of today and yesterday, or should we just say just today, and try to put it into some sort of context. Mm-hmm. Seated across the microphone from me, as always, our master of ceremonies, our <laughs> editor-in-chief, Rich Drees. And seated across the microphone from me is our mistress of ceremonies and <laughs> Film Buff Online contributing editor, Natasha Bogutsky. Wait, did you just lose your words how often does no, that happen no i did not and i was gonna put an edit there oh anyways how's it going natasha hi <laughs> so it is uh one of the greatest days of the year for for a lot of people and not so great today for other people too uh-huh. and we are going to talk about that yes it is of course oscar nomination day uh, the day when the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences announces the nominees, the final nominees, for their annual Academy Awards. And as always, there's some great ones. There's some omissions and some snubs there. And we're going to talk about it all. Just about all. We're probably going to skip over a few categories. But anyways, right off the bat, how happy are you for the guys from Godzilla Minus One? For getting visual effects. I screamed <laughs> and jumped up and down. I did not warn anyone in my my branch when I was going into work and I was trying to set up everything this morning. <laughs> didn't warn anyone that, oh, hey, no. it's Oscar nom day. So if I just start screaming like an idiot, um, just It's because me. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and so all of a sudden, I'm listening to it in my headphones, walking around, you know, setting up my tail and everything. Mm-hmm. And we get to visual effects. And I'm like, Godzilla, Godzilla, Godzilla. And they did. And I screamed bloody murder. And I was jumping up and down as if someone was moving a jump rope under me. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, I don't know if you saw it Freaked everyone online. Else out. Um, the the visual effects crew posted a video of themselves watching the nominee nominations Aww. in Japan live, and they just freaked out. I was so happy for those guys. Uh, it's it's a little movie that could Toho was only going to leave it in theaters for a week at the beginning of December. <laughs> Here it is, midway through January. It's still showing on some screens, and, and then in two weeks, it's getting re-released. As Godzilla minus one minus color. Yes. A black and white version. And they didn't just slap a black and white filter on there or just desaturate the color. It's a whole rethink of how every shot looks. Because I've seen a few of the shots and they look marvelous. I want to see how they're going to do the heat ray in black mm-hmm. and white. Yes. So. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited to go see Godzilla minus one on the big screen for a third time in a couple of weeks. It'll be my but I was if I, if I do that. I was very happy for them, and I also, also was very happy for the crew of uh, Creator, a um, little science fiction film from back in the fall. Kind of came and went. Not a lot of people saw it. I really liked it. I thought it was an interesting exploration of AI, which... With John David Washington, right? Yes, yes. Um, which is something, you know, we desperately kind of feel timely about now uh, with AI and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought the effect work in that was magnificent. Uh, they also got a nomination, I believe, in sound. Sound, yeah. Well. Yeah. So, and they were working on a small budget, not as small as, like, Godzilla 
Xbox One, mind you. But it, you know, they still had a, um, you know, a, you know, a not as many resources financially as say Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, which also, you know, deserves a deserves their nomination. Which is interesting because um, the director of said film is also the director of Rogue One, and. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about heading up a machine that is considered to be one of the best Star Wars movies ever made. Yes. So yeah, the you know he knows what he's doing, and uh, he delivered the goods uh, for a small budget and for a big budget too. So mm-hmm. you can't you can't quite knock it there. Um, just kind of going over some of the like, I don't want to call them the lesser awards, but the the awards, you know, the technical awards, some of the short film stuff. Not a lot of things are jumping out at me. One live-action short I'm aware of. Okay, which one? The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar came out from Wes Anderson, and it was dropped yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, that's on Netflix. Um, there's a few others in here that I you know, have heard about, but I hadn't had a chance to see. We're going to have a piece um, either later on today or tomorrow on Film Buff Online with, uh, where you can see some of these short film nominees, uh, live-action and uh, documentary I'm trying to put together. I wanted to do one for animated shorts, but... Not a lot of them are available online for for viewing as of now, yeah. which which kind of bums me out. So let's kind of move along then to the marquee awards, shall we call them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even kind of skating by uh, international feature film, which uh, I I um, like. Society of the Snow, Teachers Lounge, I thought was fantastic. Zone of Interest is really good as well. I've heard Zone of. I'm thinking mm-hmm. it's going to be Zone of Interest. I have a feeling that's probably going to be it, if only. For the the name recognition out of all five of those, um, I mean that's I mean that kind of presupposes that the members of the academy are not going to watch all five, but are still going to vote in that category anyways, which is not necessarily a fair uh, supposition to make about that category, but you never know. So, anyways, moving on. Um, let's look at uh, some of these writing uh, nominations here. Mm-hmm. Um, original screenplay. We have Anatomy of a Fall. That'll be the winner. The Holdovers. Maestro. May, December, and Past Lives. Um, all super strong uh, scripts. Um, I would. I have you know a soft spot in my heart for the Holdovers, so that's going to be my default answer on a couple of these categories coming up, including this one. But also, I thought May, December was well written, as was Past Lives. I'm going with Anatomy of a Fall here. Okay. As I've been watching the award well, series cooking up, that one seems to be collecting the most amount of awards. Yeah. These are and these these aren't our final Oscar picks. That's gonna be a whole separate episode. Oh, that's my week. final one in that category. Oh, okay, okay. No, that's definitely <laughs> all right, all right. If you wanna call your shot early, that's cool. That's fine. Um uh, now adapted screenplay. Uh we've got American Fiction, which I'm super excited about. I love that film so much. Uh, Barbie, which I think is fantastic, especially doing what it does in terms of its thematic material and having to juggle uh, several ideas about Barbies. And it does it so adroitly. Uh, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Zone of Interest. You're, You're thinking here. Uh, was there anything here that okay, so surprised the only, you? The or? only two films I've seen... Of these five so far is obviously Barbenheimer. Um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Tony McNamara's writing work, period, across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have 
without having seen four things, I cannot say anything about that or American fiction or zone of interest at this point. Um, so, but I can, can I, I'm looking at the politics of things. <laughs> okay. And, and I would say that this one, if it doesn't go to one of the others, it'll probably go to Greta and Noah for Barbie. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Again, you know, um, American fiction is dealing with some interesting issues. I think Barbie, you know, when it's dealing with the fact that at t various times in pop culture history, Barbie was held up as an ideal or held up as an impossible goal for women, young women, young girls to achieve. So it balances both those ideas in that, in the movie. And I think it does a great job. Um, so that gets us to directing. Here we go. <laughs> We're going to do directing. Then the, uh, the, we'll have a little bit of a cool down while we talk about some of the, uh, the acting awards. And then we'll finish up with uh, Best Picture. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the directing, and this is where we get into a problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. Okay, we've got Justine Troit for um, Anatomy of Fall, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, Christopher Nolan on Oppenheimer, Jorgis, Jorgis Lanthimos for Poor Things, and uh, Jonathan Glazer for Zone of Interest. And you think it's just going to go to... Uh... Nolan? Yeah. Nolan? I'm looking at the po the politics mm -hmm. of this. I'm looking at the amount of awards. Oh. He's racked up on the uh, the road to the Oscars already. Um, this one this one's a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. This is the, the politics of him saying, okay, you waited long enough. We're, we're going to finally... <laughs> this is this his 10th nomination, and... Uh, Previously, he was tied for the record with Steven Spielberg at nine nominations. Christopher Nolan has done some great work. Um, you know, obviously, you know, genre fans are going to immediately jump up and shout Batman trilogy. But beyond that, I think Tenet is fantastic. Inception is. Inception is great. So good. Mm -hmm. uh, Interstellar. Is, yeah. He's done a lot of great genre work, period. Uh, yeah, I can't fault him for finding interesting things to do within those confines. Um that make for spectacular films, but also very thoughtful and smart and introspective films at the same time. Mm -hmm. Is this his year? Maybe. Maybe indeed. Um, but yeah, he's going up against Scorsese, who, yeah, with has, who has his 10th nomination, which, uh, you know, he now is like the director with the most nominations ever. And he's only ever won, I believe, for The Departed. Yeah, I think it was The Departed, yeah. He was previously tied with Steven Spielberg. So Spielberg, he's kind of dusted Spielberg there a little. Um, but some people, and I know you are one of them, uh, feel there's an omission in this category. Uh, You're damn straight is a fucking omission. <laughs> okay. Uh, omission. I said admission. <laughs> <laughs> There should be an admission here. Um, Greta Gerwig mm -hmm. for Barbie. I know there's no way in hell she would have won, but an acknowledgement of everything that she has done for the movie industry this year, 
uh, had me screaming internally. And I've been wanting to just scream out loud ever since. Okay, well, I'm wearing headphones, so please don't scream into one of the microphones, please. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> no, as a, as a female director, mm-hmm. as a female filmmaker, um, this really, really pisses me off. Uh, Barbie banked the number one spot of the year above Oppenheimer. It is written as a poignant piece of work with something to say that reaches to everyone. Oppenheimer will be forgotten in 30 years. Barbie is going to be a classic forever. Wow, that is, that's that's a statement. It, it works for men. It works for women. Okay. It works for older, younger. You can watch it as a family. You can watch it as a couple. You can just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But it will be held up. Because it has something to say. And I, I'm i looking at this and it, it drives me absolutely up the fucking wall. That sh- Greta Gerwig, considering she's not nominated in directing, has one nomination. And I'm not shitting on Noah Baumbach because I think he is a fantastic artist. Notice I said artist. Not writer, not director, not filmmaker, artist. Um, but should they win, she has to share with a man. Go up on the stage and then act grateful that they deign to even give her that. And wait, hang on. No. no and this is what really got into my head as I was thinking about this earlier on. In the Barbie movie, there is a, a speech, and in the middle of it says, always stand out and always be grateful, but never forget the system is rigged, so find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. She should be angry, but she cannot show it. Because if she does, she's hysterical and emotional and has no right to be even mentioned in this category. Well, guess what? She's not. Okay, well, a couple of things here. Um, I, I am disappointed not to see her name in this, first of all. Uh, I'm not sure who I would kick out of directing in, uh, for her to be there. Maybe maybe Jonathan Glazer for Zone of Interest. Um, and I think this is a problem that we run into. And we've seen it before, but I don't think people have really reacted the as strongly about it as we have seen till this year with having 10 features nominated up to 10 features at one point. Now it's just a solid 10 for best picture, but only five spots for best director. And that, you know, that invariably leads to the kind of uh, sarcastic, well, I guess movie X just directed itself then. No, it just means that among the people who were nominating, they felt, you know, that there were 10, yeah, there were still probably, you know, 10 directors. And I dare say the the directors who are have a film nominated for Best Picture but aren't nominated for Best Director still probably fall within the first 10 to maybe 12, you know, just to fudge it for a little bit of math there. Um of the overall nominees, if you were to rank them by their votes. We'll never know for certain. The Academy doesn't release that kind of data. But, you know, 
So Barbie is on there, but maybe she was just the sixth or the seventh nominee, and they, they only take five. I think a better way to do this would be to do 10 directors, 10 pictures. Uh, if you want your pictures to open up to, you know, 10 nominees, so you create more interest in the race, it feels only fair that you have 10 directors there as well. I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. I remember several years ago um, when Dark Knight got snubbed. That's what created, or that's really what got the conversation going about, hey, we need to make a rule change on Best Picture because we're getting we're snubbing certain films that are going to be works of art that are also speaking to the popular crowd. Argo mm -hmm. being nominated and Ben Affleck not getting a nomination for Best Director, even though the, the DGA, the Directors Guild of America, gave him their Best Director award yeah. that year, which was bonkers to me. You um, know, it just, it, it is, it is insane. And, we're also seeing a, a sector where people are screaming, and they have been for years, about more inclusion in the race. Mm -hmm. uh, well, not not just people of color, but more female filmmakers. Um, Natalie Portman, a couple of years ago, showed up at the Oscars, and part of her outfit of the night was a cape. And the embroidery on the edge of the cape mm -hmm. was every female director who could have been nominated that year. Mm -hmm. and was snubbed in favor of an all-male category. Well, within the 10 best pictures, we do have three female directors, okay? So that's 30% right there. So in best director, we only have 20% who are female. 20 to 30%, I mean, could be better. I, it wouldn't make me mad if it was 50, you know, anywhere between 40 and 60. But comparatively, 20 to 30% in between the two categories does feel a little bit not obviously not totally equal my math isn't that terrible but i wouldn't it, it, even say it had to be a straight 10 in directors but at mm -hmm. least open it up so they could go up yeah. to I, I would be okay with eight mm -hmm. just to give a little bit of wiggle room i think 10 is too much because then people can say well what about what about in the acting categories what about in the writing oh yeah yeah and it's, it, it's very much a slippery slope yeah I, I, i'll grant you that but I think it is time to open it up just a little bit more. The beauty of actor and actress leading and supporting roles is that overall you're giving out 10 to each. Uh -huh. Yeah, they're split between categories, but it's still 10 awards whereas or, or 10 nominations. Um, for 10 for actor, 10 for actress. Mm -hmm. And you're only getting five for director. It, it doesn't feel right. I'm not even worried about Margot Robbie here. It, okay. as wonderful, although, although, she, yeah. Hold on. She is nominated for producer, but yes. alongside three men mm -hmm. as part of Lucky Chap. Yeah, but she owns Lucky Chap. She's the, yeah. she's the queen bee there. Well, even so... Margot Robbie doesn't need the acting award here. Mm -hmm. If Barbie takes home the big one of the night, she still goes home with an award. What does Greta Gerwig get that she doesn't have to share with her other half? That's true. That's fair. I will say this, though. With no nomination for Greta Gerwig in directing, no nomination for Margot Robbie in Best Actress, uh, and, and a nomination for Ryan Gosling in Supporting Actress, 
Hector. God darn it. <laughs> and Ryan Gosling for supporting actor. And Ryan Gosling uh, with a nomination for supporting actor. It does really look bad because it's all you know it's all in relationship to the movie about how the patriarchy is bad. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it it the optics on this are the worst they could possibly be. I mean, we do get a nomination for America Ferrera and mm-hmm. I a friend of ours mentioned it earlier. Those two definitely are the standouts of the film. They are, but the beauty of how Barbie works as a unit, all these actors being the most ridiculous that they can be and still be having fun and seeming serious at the exact same time is not an easy feat. No. It can it can easily turn into this is so ridiculous, it's just flat out bad. But she works the cogs of this movie and makes certain that the the gears all work as a single unit. You can tell from the set design, the costumes, the music, all the way straight down. There are many sequences of this movie that wouldn't wouldn't even stay in if she didn't put her freaking foot down to the studio. Mm-hmm. The scene where Barbie meets Barbara on the bench, where she's seeing what it's like to be human all around her, and she feels it. Would have been cut. I'm just Ken. Your favorite earworm of this year would, <laughs> one of the best, would have been cut. One of the best song nominees. So, yeah. So, yes, definitely, you know, you know, she protected a song that wound up being a best song nominee. It does go to show you that studio executives don't know what the hell they're doing uh, all the time. And that she, as the director, her instincts were absolutely positively correct. I'm worried about how female filmmakers will start reacting to this in the long run is the case of well if we can if we can't get acknowledgement for creating entertaining work that appeals to a wide mass bringing in billions of dollars and still creating works of art in, in the same film and Barbie can't do it then how the hell am I supposed to do it it's going to cause more people to say well the studio and we're just going to try to take it like Taylor Swift did this year. We'll try to sell it directly to a distribution through the cinemas or something. Mm-hmm. They are going to find their ways around this because they know that in the grand scheme of this, they are not going to be acknowledged for that. I, I, I don't think it's as intentional as you're making it out to be. It's not intentional, but I know that uh, over time, this is going to cause outrage. This is going well, to get I mean, yeah, I've already seen you know some people online, you know upset about that. And I, I say, yeah. I mean, yes, she probably is one of those directors that really deserved the nomination. And like I said, you know, looking at this, yeah, I'd probably kick Glazer out of there. Sorry, Jonathan. Um, but it's just kind of how the math shakes out, I think, at times. And it's it's not like there was a cabal of old white studio executives in a cigar smoke-filled room going, all right, what are we going to do about this Greta Gerwig bra? I know, you know but, but the Academy's PR team right now is probably going, well, mm-hmm. fuck, how yeah. do we fix this situation? And, and honestly, looking at it strictly from a television event standpoint, not having Greta Gerwig uh, in run for Best Director makes this a less desirable watch. thing to watch for other people, for some people. 
I mean, not I mean, for movie nerds just, like myself. Even but. just the whole Barbenheimer thing. Yeah, our friend JW over at Indie Escape Network mentioned that a lot of people tune in for the Oscars when they have a horse in the race. Exactly. Yeah, you have Barbie going up against Oppenheimer in Best Picture. Mm-hmm. But Nolan's undefeated because Greta Gerwig's not even nominated. Yeah, uh, and I would have preferred, you know, if... From from the standpoint of getting eyeballs on the telecast, mm-hmm. yeah, she you know she I would have preferred her in there as well, you know, for multiple reasons, but um, so yeah, so there is that. <laughs> Let's move on to acting before yes. I throw my cup. <laughs> yeah, I know you're gonna startle the cat. Looking here over uh, these supporting uh, actor and actor uh, actresses. Again, some really good nominations here. Nothing I'm angry about. Maybe I would have liked uh, Julianne Moore from May, December in Best Actress in a supporting role. Um, not sure who I'd boot uh, from there, though. Uh, honestly, I think Divine Joy Randolph is the one to beat in this category because she's already kind of I was thinking that too. Storming up some, uh, storming up and getting a lot of awards. I have. Unfortunately, apart from Barbie and Oppenheimer here, I haven't seen the mm. other three nominees' films in order to, to say, I'm really behind this year. Yeah, I yeah. know, I, I really need to. Mm-hmm. But I would probably say you're right here. D- Divine Joy Randolph is probably the... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a understated but absolutely empathetic performance. Um, she's just wonderful in it. And, you know, it, holdovers, you know, I also... I'm hoping Paul Giamatti goes and wins best support, uh, best lead actor. Um, it's probably his role of a lifetime. I also like Jeffrey Wright in here. It's going to Killian. It, yeah, it feels like it's gonna be a. It feels like it's gonna be an Oppenheimer sweep. Um, unfortunately, because I think there are some smaller films that are just better. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, I would agree with you here. But, but... I think uh, you yeah, know, there's a. I think there's a popularity or a populist wave that this film uh, uh, is going to be surfing on there is I, I was really upset about one omission in the uh the actor for leading role category mm-hmm. and i know this movie is dividing a lot of people you know they're, they're mixed on it some people are saying it's absolute trash mm-hmm. some people are holding it up as this is an incredible work of art i'm a member of the latter category where i think it's an incredible work of art but that's because I can see all the symbolism and everything in it. Mm-hmm. I would have put Barry Keoghan from Saltburn in in this category. In a uh, lead actor? Absolutely, 100%. Okay. Who would you kick out? Bradley Cooper. Ooh, damn. That, not a moment's hesitation <laughs> there, too. No. I didn't get that word. I, the breath <laughs> thinking about it all day. my lips. I had your... someone ask me that earlier oh, okay, on the day, okay. and I didn't even have to think <laughs> about it then. I knew who I was going to kick out. Oof. I saw Maestro. I loved it. I think it's a fantastic film. This, mm-hmm. I, I was very happy when it got a cinematography nom, because it absolutely deserves a cinematography nom. It looks beautiful, no matter um, what aspect ratio the time period they're in so oh i i, yeah. I don't yeah i don't care about that mm-hmm. it's just it is a stunningly shot film um but i am i'm in the minority here i think first off i'm not a huge fan of bradley's to begin with but my personal bias aside mm-hmm. i think he does give fantastic performances 
but better ones when he's being directed by someone else. Uh, Star is Born, it's a, it's a wonderful, endearing movie, mm-hmm. but it's Lady Gaga's vehicle. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the movie, <laughs> looking at Bradley Cooper going, you're riffing, <laughs> uh, you're just riffing Chris Christopherson's performance here and trying to make it your own. Now for Maestro, I can't say that, but I do feel like Carrie Mulligan is sweeping the floor with Bradley Cooper in every scene that they're in together. Absolutely agree with you. <laughs> Bradley only stands out when he's standing on a pedestal, you know, conducting the orchestra because you play it as a side-by-side with actual footage and it's it's pretty on, on you know, pretty yeah, on the spot. But impersonation is not performance. Bingo. And so easily, I would have dropped him out of here. Say what you like about Saltburn. The one thing that most people are able to agree on is that Barry's performance is one of the most erratic and dangerous and raw performances mm-hmm. they've seen in a very long yeah. time. Yeah, oh, it's it's spectacular. Um, I was actually surprised by Saltburn being shut out overall. Another nothing, lucky chat movie. Nothing, nothing for that. I thought at um, least a nomination for writing. Uh, best no. original, yeah. yeah. Um, again, though, I'm looking. You know, where you kick out of best original screenplay, though. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, mm. you're gonna say Maestro, aren't you? <laughs> no, I was actually thinking May December. Oh, okay, okay. Um, one thing I was surprised by, and I was actually hoping for, uh, I was hoping for a nomination for Andrew Scott. Oh uh, yes. yeah. All of us strangers. I heard which a lot is of an amazing performance. Mm-hmm. The movie's really good. Um, you know, and it just hadn't gained any traction at all this award season, which kind of surprised me a little bit and disappointed me a lot, actually. Because there's some interesting things that happened in the third act that I don't want to spoil, but I want to talk about with some people and no one's I need to see it to see it. So well, it hasn't been showing around here, and it's not yeah. out on streaming yet. Yeah. So it's a, it's a little difficult for mm-hmm. us around here to see it. Um, now, had directing been extended just a couple of slots, mm-hmm. it could have actually fixed a lot of problems here. Oh, um, yeah. Because you could have nominated Greta here, you could have nominated Bradley Cooper here, where he actually deserves to be. Mm-hmm. Lose him out of leading role. Interesting. And then okay. throw up either Andrew or Barry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely a great way to shuffle those around. Yeah. Uh, now let's take a look really quickly though at best supporting actor. Mm-hmm. Sterling K. Brown is really good in American fiction, but I don't see him getting it. I know who's taking it home. I called it the moment I saw the movie. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. That's that's the performance from Oppenheimer that I would be very glad to see win. I would. I, I love Killian Murphy. I absolutely adore that man. I think he's one of the greatest talents that we've seen in a very very long time. Mm-hmm. Who is overdue and how much he needs to be appreciated outside of Peaky Blinders. But as I was watching Oppenheimer, it was Robert Downey Jr.'s performance. That was blowing me away. It was transcendent. You, you yeah. could look at him and not realize you're looking at mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. For goodness' sake. Yeah, Killian th- Murphy was wonderful as Afi, but well, Robert. Let me ask you this though: Are people being blown away by his work here, even though they've seen him do wonderful work in like Chaplin 
and a bunch of other films. I think Chaplin's forgotten um, at this point. But everybody's kind of comparing it to Tony Stark from the MCU films. And he's just, you know, he, it's it's a very interesting character arc that he goes through over, you know, the course of 10 years and however many films he winds up being in, like seven or eight of them. And I wonder if people are just kind of like, oh, he's in a different mode than he is with Tony Stark. And they're just, oh, that's right. Robert Downey Jr. is a hell of an actor. Well, <laughs> he did one a couple years ago that uh, was very underrated. It was called The Judge. Oh. Him and Robert Duvall. Yeah. I, okay. That was one of the movies during his MCU time mm-hmm. that he did that was separate from Tony Stark. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was and a separate people, type of performance. Yeah, and was completely forgotten about everywhere. I think for the younger generation, Tony Stark is the only thing they've ever really seen him do. Mm. Sherlock Holmes, the way he plays Sherlock Holmes is very erratic, but pretty close to how he did Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. So you cannot look at those two and go that they're any different. Mm -hmm. You just see one or you see the other. Tropic Thunder came out roughly during that time period too and they're like oh yeah he's really good in this but we don't talk about Tropic Thunder anymore um which is a shame because it's a funny as hell movie yeah but but a lot of people forget that he was an actor for probably a good 20 30 years before mm-hmm. ever stepping foot into the goatee that is true he also had for those 20 to 30 years he also had some issues that kind of kept him from acting so we didn't get as many performances to kind of solidify our idea of him as a really good actor instead of a really good guy who can play Tony Stark. Yeah. That's Chaplin, Chaplin is one of my favorite films I've ever mm. seen from him. And every time I am talking to people and they're like, recommend me some movies and I'm putting a list together, I always include Chaplin. Good call. Because that one is a look at one of the juggernauts of film history. Mm-hmm as well as being a great transcendent performance from someone who created the MCU as we now see it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so so we're so in agreement can, that... <laughs> you can kind of look at Chaplin and look at Tony Stark as they're the creators mm-hmm. of this section of film. Yeah. So you're in agreement then that he's probably going to win it. There's the, nobody that we would have put into this category anyways because they probably would have lost it to begin with. Well, there's actually one person, I think, who has a shot at beating him. Who? Mark Ruffalo. Okay, yeah. That's that's and... as close as you're getting. I love Ryan Gosling as Ken, and I knew he was going to be nominated mm-hmm. uh, the moment I walked out of Barbie. I absolutely knew. I'm like, nomination. But then I walked, in to, <laughs> walked out of Oppenheimer, and I went, win. It's crazy to think that on one weekend in June, so many Americans went to the movies and ultimately saw like 20 academy award nominations on the screen if they did the full barbenheimer <laughs> in between a the two course movies. of like six hours yeah yeah that's insane <laughs> no one can say that except you know if you're like a festival nerd like if you or i where we're just like pounding through like three or four movies a day i think that's really exciting actually um and to see it kind of continue on through the year okay so let's look at uh the actresses here what do you like? Who do you like in Best Supporting? Oh wait, hang on. Just say, just say leading okay, actress because we've already covered supporting actress. Yes. Okay, so I think just for the um the acting 
categories that leaves us with um, best lead actress. It, it's <laughs> it, it's going to be a wrestling match between Lily Gladstone and Emma Stone. It is, and I love Emma Stone. Um, You're thinking Lily? But I, I, I really would hope it's Lily. Um, Me Gladstone. too. Mm-hmm. Emma Stone's already had hers. Let someone else have it. And if and also if Poor Things takes home Best Picture, Emma mm-hmm. Stone's also a producer on that. Yes. So she she, she gets, wins either way. Yes, exactly. Um, Carrie Mulligan, like we said, she kind of wipes the floor with Bradley, Bradley. Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, but and this is so it's so tough to compare two different performances. Uh, that are just so different in their approaches, I think. You know, you you can't say Carrie Mulligan approached and gave, you know, a comparable performance to what Emma Stone is doing in Four Things or what Lily Gladstone is doing because yeah. they're entirely separate characters. They're, you know, performances and services in service to entirely different types of movies. No. Uh, um... So it's always, these are always kind of frustrating, at least on the level. But best picture. Oppenheimer or Four Things? Yeah, um, I think those are the the real um, mm-hmm. go tos. Um, Oppenheimer is the um, uh, the the crowd favorite, I guess we could say. Poor Things is a film that is not for everybody. I loved it. Um, we know people who've seen it who did not connect with it. Yeah, and that's fine. Um, I I think it would be funny if it. Um, one over Barbie, uh, because you know Barbie is like deals with the same some of the same themes that Poor Things does. It's just Barbie is you know more you know, was a mass. bigger yeah for the masses. Poor Things is a little bit more I don't want to say difficult of a film, but maybe challenging of a film for people. I think out of the two, Poor Things will take. Uh... If Poor Things takes it home, it's going to be because it needs help. Mm-hmm. Um, Oppenhe- if Oppenheimer takes it home, it will be as a crowning achievement to the work of all the work of Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. Um, Barbie will not need the award. It's the Star Wars of this group. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's Barbie losing is like Star Wars losing to Annie Hall. Barbie will <laughs> stand on its own feet forever. Yes. Oppenheimer will stand on its own two feet for maybe a few more years. And then its knees will give out. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Or am I just... No, no, it <laughs> extending will. Extending the metaphor badly. It will. Okay. Poor things needs a crutch. <laughs> Ouch. I don't know. Um, I'd like to think Yorgos Lanthimos will be remembered, um, but I, I, I have a feeling uh, he's an acquired taste almost, mm-hmm. um, and he might become more of a household name as time goes on, but I don't think people will it's, investigate it's his film. It's the, the same way like David Lynch is, most people know who David Lynch is. Most people have not watched all of David Lynch's works. Most people probably haven't seen 
a quarter of his films, but w- they know his name. I would say Yorgos Lanthimos's name is becoming more um, more prevalent. Uh, I mean, uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, people are revisiting that one recently, which... Mm-hmm. Here we go. I'm coming back around with to the po- with the popularity of Barry Keoghan. They're also looking at the favorite was kind of his big one that kind of started to knock him into the stratosphere. Yeah. Uh, the work of Tony McNamara as well as some of Yorgos Lanthimos's eccentricities landed in the Great, um, the TV show about Catherine the Great mm-hmm. uh, that lasted on Hulu for three seasons, and anyone who kind of tapped into that that was definitely made for the masses so you can enjoy it while still getting a little bit of those ticks and quirks it's a it's a nice way to get your feet wet before you go deep diving into the rest of his filmography um people are revisiting the lobster it's i'm starting to see amongst film groups um definitely more traction picking up for his work mm-hmm. yeah um, but I think, uh, honestly, Poor Things is number two, but Oppenheimer is the one to beat. Yeah, that's going to be the one to beat. That's going to be the one with the the odds on favorite. Yeah. So, um, we, of course, will be talking more about this as we go along. Um, the Academy Awards are uh, being presented on March 10th at 7 o'clock. They start an hour early this year. So, you know, people can get to bed on time, and maybe I'm not up doing our post-Oscar show editing until 3 a.m. <laughs> um, that would be nice this year. Um, You're still going to be up till 3 a.m. editing. Uh, probably. Uh, Depends on how many coughing fits you have. Oh. I have not had a single one. <laughs> single one today. I know. So, okay. <laughs> I'm very proud. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, hold up. Hi. I can edit this. <laughs> we were literally just wrapping up, so. Oh. All right. Two seconds. Sorry about that. But I think that's really all we have time for today. Remember, you can find us online at bigpicturepod.com, and we are available on iTunes and Google Play. So either use the link in the show notes post or head directly there. As always, search and hit subscribe. We really need to come up with a new outro. Please leave that in. Okay. (laughs) And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a positive review because that always helps us connect with new listeners. We'll be back again next time with uh, more news and reviews. And that's all right here on the Big Picture Podcast. Any office boy or young mechanic can be a panic with just a good-looking pan. And any shop girl can be a top girl if she pleases a tired businessman. Hooray for Hollywood! You may be homely in your neighborhood. Be an actor, see Mr. Fan.